Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Batter Up podcast. Willie P., Joe Patrick, and Caleb Johnson. We are not only archived on radio.com but live on facebook at facebook.com slash 929 the game it's great to get the band back together uh basically a month and a half into the braves off season and it's been a lively one uh first off let's kind of go in reverse order as far as what's happened in the latest bit of braves news and also take an overview as we go throughout. And we'll also take your questions at facebook.com slash 929 the game. Uh, the Braves yesterday was the basically deadline for guys to either be tender to contract or not tender to contract guys in their first six years of Major League Baseball service. Uh, of course, that has a lot of the young players involved as part of the 40-man roster. I think the big headlines, though, for guys, and the one that kind of got a lot of our attention is – bringing back Luke Jackson on a one-year deal and not bringing back Adam Duvall on a deal that would have been anywhere in the neighborhood between $4.7 and $7.1 million, depending on the arbitration figures that you go to. I uh, know we have some very divergent opinions on this, guys. Uh, I'll start <laughs> with you, Joe, because uh, this one just didn't really make a lot of sense to a lot of people when you think about it on the surface area, but I feel like it can be explained if other moves happen. Yeah, so I, I, just to kind of take the, the our listeners or our viewers, if you're watching on Facebook Live behind the curtain, we were we have a text group, so whenever there's some brave news, we always just start texting around and kind of giving our opinions in the in the texting group. And uh, it was it wasn't until this uh, the the Adam the Adam Duvall um, non tender that we decided, you know what, we need to we need to hash this out on a podcast um, because my perspective on it is that. Yeah, it's disappointing. Like I'm, I'm a huge Adam Duvall fan, just personally. Uh, the fact that he dealt with the, the, you know, he's type one diabetic, and he dealt with all that during COVID. You know, just like the freaking hats off to him for, for doing all that and and just pursuing the game that way. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where he had an unexpectedly great season in a very short time frame, and his arbitration number was going to elevate itself to a place where 
I can totally understand why the free front office would say, let's wait and shore up, you know, some other areas of our roster, really see what our needs are before we go out and devote these kinds of resources. Because the last thing you want to do in this, um, the, the reality that we're in, which is the financial reality that COVID has, has struck on these teams is that you want to make sure that you are allocating the maybe reduced resources that you plan to have in the areas that you very much need need them. And that is for the Braves, obviously, in your starting lineup and in your starting rotation. So um, that's the reason why I'm like, I don't like it, but like I'm fine with it. And I totally understand why I, and I guess I'm going to be uh, the defense lawyer here for, uh, <laughs> for, for Alex Anthopoulos as we kind of prosecute this case. Speaking for the plaintiffs and basically all the angry Braves fans, <laughs> our own Caleb Johnson. Happy December to you, Caleb. Hey, yo, what's up, guys? Um, do we like winning? Yeah, I, was, I, I do. I'm just curious. I, like I just, I wonder if we like winning because you know sometimes I, I look at these Braves decisions and I, I think to myself, are we trying to save money? Are we trying to win? Because and and I get it, you know. The, the idea that you want to spend on, you know, big needs that you, that you have, pitching, you know, that sort of thing, it makes sense. However, when it comes to Adam Duvall, the only way I'm comfortable with them walking away from him is the fact that this injury might be lingering of what he dealt with at the end of, of this past season that got him out of the postseason. That was, you know, was extremely disappointing couldn't have come at a worse time for the Braves and kind of really killed the the momentum, if you want to call it that, that they had going into those those final couple of series. Mm-hmm. However, I mean, that's a guy that seemed, in my opinion, rather inexpensive that you have locked down as a replacement outfielder, you know, at the corners. And, I mean... <laughs> he's a hot bat like we saw this past year even in just a 60 game season that he's an extremely hot bat and so the fact that you're just willing to walk away from that but and and I get it's cheaper contracts but Luke Jackson right you're looking at didn't think twice about it probably Grant Dayton didn't think twice about sending him you know I mean it's like 900k but still the, this idea and that's a non-guaranteed that, contract, by the way, so that he, he could be cut before in spring training and receive just okay. a portion of that. Okay. All right. There we go, Joe. Come on. <laughs> <with the> <laughs> no, but, it, but, but he's already go. got he's already got the stuff on the defense right now. I will say the Luke Jackson one is hard to defend, but keep keep going. Yeah, Objection and relevance. Smiley. Like I just I I keep coming back to the Smiley contract that I've that I've told you guys about. This is the most money he's made in his t- entire career. By like four million dollars, I think three million dollars. I, I more I, this year than any year combined. I think. Yeah, I want to mm-hmm. say previously is his biggest deal was like two years, four million dollars, and the Braves are just like, oh, here's seven. Like we just want to make sure we've got you locked down, and so their their insistence on like finding the pitching that they desperately needed and overpaying for it, and yet what are we going to be missing again? Come. Come the postseason, are we going to be missing bench bats again? Like, I would like to remind you that the Dodgers bench bats showed up in the postseason this past year. I mean, guys, they they probably did kind of overpay for. Uh, now, granted, they have more money to spend than the Braves do, 
the Braves have to be, you know, quite a bit more frugal with their money. But I just – it feels like this is a move that's going to come back to bite them in. And also, getting one thing in, in very clear, I will be shocked. I will be stunned if – it ends up coming back around that Adam Duvall signs for a cheaper deal with the Braves. Absolutely. I mean, I just, there, I do there's too. no, yeah, there's no way you hit, what was it? 16 homers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 16. Yeah. Which there, was second, no, third most in NL, I think. Yeah. There's no way you hit the third, third most yeah. homers in, in the national league. And you know, you end up falling back to the team who wants to save some money for you. So here's, here's my, my full read on this. And again, I see both what Joe is saying and what Caleb is saying. We are so, right, one, one second. We do have a comment that is coming at me pretty hard. John Culver reminds us that Duval hit 231 during his time as a brave. Correct. How, however, it is important to, to kind of distinguish the fact that like he had a, a bit of a coming out moment this season. Mm-hmm. Would using batting average to determine uh, to determine people's worth now? Is it is it nineteen ninety seven? Come on. Well, it's like <laughs> one of those saying. things. Like go to Smiley. It's like the reason they paid Smiley that the money that they did was not based on what happened last year. The you pay the money based on what you expect going forward. And I think you know there are reasons. We'll get into that later. I don't want to take us totally yeah. off track, but mm-hmm. I mean there's reasons why you project you know a player to do some a certain thing, and then you have a targeted amount of money that you are willing to spend on that. So here's here here's how I divide this up. And I did this kind of in a three-tiered situation. Do either of you think Adam Duvall is a starting left fielder in 2021 for the Atlanta Braves? Might be. I think it'd be disappointing if he was. Like, if he were, like, if you were not to re-sign Ozuna and you end up with uh, Adam Duvall as the left fielder, I think that would be disappointing in many Braves fans' eyes. So if you think that he can be the starting left fielder, then you pay him the $7.1 million. But if you're, I think, like Joe and like me, where I think you can improve at that position or at least come somewhat close to what you were last year with a free agent on a one-year deal, I feel like you have to advocate or allocate that money, I should say, elsewhere. And I also feel like the big elephant in the room right now that still we don't know about, and again, this is more Major League Baseball's fart than fault, not fart and fault, I should say, <laughs> than it is the Braves, is that we still do not know what the rule is going to be for the universal DH in 2021. And oh. I feel like that has a big impact on who you bring. You do not want to bring Adam Duvall in here to be your starting left fielder because he's – I don't want to say he's a plus defender, but – He's basically a situation where I do not think he can hit well enough to justify what's going on with the fielding. If you wanted to bring Ozuna back, we know his fielding is somewhat suspect, but I feel like he'll hit enough to justify putting him out there, even without a DH. This tells me that another move is looming. And and Joe, you referenced the Smiley deal. Look, I didn't like the Smiley deal on surface area. I didn't like it at all. But I also felt like you could possibly understand why they made that deal if you could see another move down the road and, 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 you know, a lot of times the order of operations doesn't necessarily justify the reason for doing things. A reason that they got smiley is because they knew they were close on Morton. Uh, those were two guys who they targeted at the beginning of the off season. That move made a heck of a lot more sense once they shine, once they signed Charlie Morton. So in my mind, 
not tendering Adam Duvall makes a lot more sense if you say, go get a George Springer or go get an Eddie Rosario who was just non-tendered by the Minnesota Twins. Or you maybe pay out the, the, the wazoo for Marcelo Zuna. I feel like if you had to make a choice, and again, I know that this is not the choice that Braves fans want to make. They don't want to have to make the choice between Marcelo Zuna and Adam Duvall. We ideally would want to have both. But if you had to pick and you knew you were going to get one of those two, I feel like every Braves fan want Ozuna or at least some equivalent type player. Were you going to say something, Caleb? Well, not, I mean, not anything too big. Just kind of adding on to the fact of, do you remember a time when we just thought Adam Duvall, like coming back was just a lock? Like that was just a thing that we didn't have to yeah, think definitely. about? I mean, definitely. I mean, it just, it seemed like, I don't know. How did, how did we get here, especially, and this is slightly off topic, but how did we get to where like, I don't know, Azuna's probably not coming back and, now we're not signing Duvall and, and now we're, you know, looking at completely different options out in left field. And, and I don't know, I just, I come back to that. Maybe I, maybe I just think differently in the fact that I have full coverage insurance when it comes to my car. And like, I, I really want the Braves to have full coverage insurance. And I feel like they're out here being like, nah, we can get away mm-hmm. with bare minimum, mm-hmm. like especially the, if we the go- catastrophic insurance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I also, yeah. I also do think it's early. Yeah. I do think it's also well, early. it is. Yeah. It is. So you you point out something very crucial, Willie P, in the fact that the the idea we're in free agency and teams are signing players without knowing how a major rule is going to decide things in the upcoming season that is a couple months away. Like, I mean, we are two months away from spring training and we don't know whether or not there's going to be a designated heat hitter in the national league. Like that's ridiculous. Once again, thank you major league baseball (laughs) for, for showing your, you know, your stupidity, but it's just one of those. That's crazy. I want to go back to, I want to go back to the Adam Duvall thing and talking about him. Like what is his status now, you know, as a, Mm -hmm. as a non-tendered player. So, if I'm Adam Duvall, I'm thinking this is, might not be a bad thing for me. You know, like I can go out there, test the market. There might be a team that's out there who wants to sign me as an everyday starter who's going to give me a certain amount of money. Um, sure. And I wonder if also that opportunity, I think this is what the Braves kind of see in it, is that like they actually get an opportunity to see what his market value is. If you read Dave O'Brien's piece that he posted in The Athletic, and this has been talked about elsewhere as, as well, you know, he's got kind of a wide range in terms of what the arbitration is going to be. And that's such an interesting part of it's this whole offseason. Which is very wide for those it's, numbers. Yeah. It's, it's very wide. And it's happening. There are lots of numbers like that across baseball because I think that nobody's really sure how these arbitration panels are going to settle on what, how, how to properly value what happens in a 60 game season. And so, and I think that it's a valid concern if you're the Braves, like how does this project out, you know, uh, in, in terms of, you know, if, in a, if you projected out Adam Duvall's stats from last year, I think he would have hit like 42 homers over a 162 game season. So, I mean, it's really interesting. And I think that maybe the Braves would rather see what his market value is from other teams potentially offering him deals and things like that. But I, to your point, I don't think he will come back because I do think that he'll get a number that's more along the lines of everyday starter. Um, and I think that the, that's the main reason why we wouldn't see him back in Atlanta. 
Yeah, the extrapolation from 60 to 162 is, is something that I feel like had a lot of teams make some tough decisions. Uh, you saw the Kyle Schwarber situation in Chicago. Also, Albert Amora Jr., uh, it's been very well known that that organization is somewhat cash-strapped right now after going for it in, uh, in the 2014, 15, and 16 seasons. You have something, Caleb? I just wanted to add the fact of you guys making a lot of sense, talking about the fact of – you know, it's very tough for teams to deal with, a, you know, the data that they're getting from a 60-game season. I just want to be the person to say, I don't care. <laughs> it was their fault. We only played 60 games. You're it right. is the league's fault. We only played 60 games. And so if they're having a tough time trying to, to find out where talent is based on that 60-game season, tough. Yeah. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just one of the one of the things, sorry. one of the breaks. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, that's true. It's good. It's good to have that kind of visceral perspective as well. I mean, it's something that definitely a lot of people have right now. Scott asks a very key question on our Facebook Live. And again, uh, for those of you who listen to this uh, on archive on radio.com, uh, we're doing this one live on Facebook. So you can see our, uh, our ugly faces at facebook.com slash 929 the game, if you so choose. Uh, Scott says, Is Drew Water the star, Drew Waters, I should say, the starting left fielder on opening day with Pache and center and Acuna in right? I think we are of one mind in saying that it's still too soon on Waters. And I also feel like Waters could be a very valuable trade chip if you can figure out an opening day left fielder or somebody who can anchor down opening day for years to come if that, a certain deal is out there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's right, Will. I mean, I don't think that Drew Waters is the starting left fielder. It's it's too soon for that. But I do think that he, he, he does play a factor in this Adam Duvall situation to an extent because, you know, obviously they, they would play the same position in a corner outfield spot. But also, you know, you have value there. And the question with Drew Waters and the Braves is, well, more for the Braves, is how do you properly extract the value that you have in that prospect toward the major league team? Is it, you know, there's a wide range of possibilities. You could have Drew Waters starting in, in a corner outfield spot on opening day. I don't think that that's something that any of us would want to see, but that is a possibility. Or he could come up midseason and be more of like a Pache type of player where he comes up in the middle of the season and then gives you some options off the bench um, and then fills into a, a, a you know more everyday role as he progresses through his career. Or maybe you trade him, to, to Will's point. Maybe you trade him uh, in a package to get that impact bad if you can't re-sign Ozuna or you don't want to re-sign Ozuna because the DH isn't involved. I think that Drew Waters just has a a real key place in this discussion just because of who he is and the value that he presents. And, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting point for the Braves when you have all these young, talented players that are like right at the cusp of, you know, minor league graduation. But now this Braves team, they're not coming into a team that is kind of ready to take in a prospect type. This is a team that's competing for a World Series. So it's very tough to kind of insert a player like that unless they're kind of have uh, tools that are you know, at the top tier, like a Christian Pache. Are you guys more comfortable with, because this obviously got brought up in our group chat. He's a guy that's going to be, uh, I guess, available right now. Kyle Schwarber. No. Is that a guy that makes you feel comfortable out in left field? Because it, it no. doesn't make me. No. Does, I don't like that deal at all. Uh, again, Eddie Rosario would be the guy that I look at just because he recently uh, put himself on the market after uh, a non-tender 
in Minnesota, uh, somebody who uh, basically had some down-ballot votes for the American League MVP the last two seasons. Uh, you wonder about his play discipline and also a low on-base rate, but he does hit the ball out of the ballpark in a ballpark that, by the way, in Minnesota isn't necessarily a pitcher-friendly park, so uh, he could possibly be a real uh, – a real infusion to that Braves lineup if you put him behind Freddie Freeman. And again, I think a lot of this kind of comes down to to where you feel like uh, the Braves are best suited to bat anybody behind Freddie Freeman. We also have that particular elephant in the room that we'll get to in a moment involving Freddie and his extension that still hasn't been signed. But I, I do feel like the Waters thing, you know, I've always talked about this utopian outfield of Waters, Pache, and Acuna. And I think we all are of the opinion that Pache is your opening day center fielder barring a trade again. But I do feel like if you want to be a contender, if you are the Atlanta Braves, you have to figure out what you have with Drew Waters before you do anything with him. Because I do feel like teams are going to be wary about trying to trade for him with the fact that you had no minor league year last year. You had no uh, real uh, proving ground to figure out, okay, has this guy fixed his plate discipline issues? Is he somebody who can hit major league pitching? Is he somebody who you can actually have him sustain through a 162 game season? I feel like there's still a lot of questions with him that I would want answered if I'm a team that's trying to scout Drew Waters. So I feel like it might take him playing at the big league level at some point in 2021 before we figure out whether or not he can be an asset for this team or if he is a trade ship. And, and this is where it gets really tough for people like us to try to, you know, uh, figure out what's going on because we don't know, right? There wasn't a minor league season last year. And who knows? Maybe maybe Drew Waters was cutting down on the strikeouts against the, the, the training camp pitching. Uh, maybe he was really making huge improvements in his game and we just haven't been privy to see that. So we don't know. Or maybe he's gone the other way. You know, we don't really know what's going on with him. So it's kind of hard to really pinpoint what role he's going to be playing until we see him in spring training. And then we start to get some feedback from Brian Snicker and some of the other coaches about what they're seeing from a guy like him. Um, but yeah, it's just a really tough situation for the Braves. I, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit. It's like, you don't pay for starting pitching, like that kind of thing. It's like, with a situation like Drew Waters, it's really going to take, in my opinion, like the, the the stars kind of aligning in the right way for him to come up through this Braves team, just given where the team is at right now in terms of them contending for a World Series and with the way that the outfield is situated right now where you have one clear opening, but you really need that opening to be an impact power bat for you at this point. It's not really an opening where you can – give it to a, a prospect like a Drew Waters who's coming through right away at least. You can't well, have a also, lab in left field. You can't have a laboratory in left field, basically. Well, I'm also thinking, does a win-now team have two, uh, I would consider, rookie outfielders, even though I know Pache played quite a bit this past year, but is that what we're going to do? Or are we like we're going to put two pretty you know fresh outfielders next to each other because I assume it would be you know Pache playing out in center and it's going to be you know if it was Drew out and left and then what does that do to your batting order where I feel like you lose some power there you lose oh yeah you probably have what like there. Travis Darno hitting cleanup or something yeah like yeah, yeah. Dansby or Dansby hmm. e either way it's like neither of those guys are the guys no. you want hitting behind <laughs> Freddie Freeman you know right so I mean I think we're all I the same opinion which is that I, I am Ozuna, now a Dansby guy. Ozuna's, I'm uh, sure everybody knows. I'm a yeah. Dansby guy now. 
re-signing Ozuna's plan 1A, right? Like, I think we can all agree on that. I mean, it depends on whether the DH is coming back. Um, we don't know if it will be. I, I actually, I heard a rumor a while back that it was not, but, you know, that didn't Rob seem Manfred to said, any traction. Manfred said that. He said that on Dan Patrick. He okay. said, I think I'm not sure if he's going to come back or not. We have to still negotiate that, which, again, it could be a ploy. And that's the thing, too, is that, and again, we talked about this a lot over the summer, um, there could be a lot of ploy slash trading slash, uh, I would say, playful negotiation type things happen between the owners and the Players Association knowing that the CBA is up at the end of next season. So they might try to use the DH universally as a bargaining chip to try and get somebody, something else out of the players in order to try and uh, turn that into something as far as the 2021 uh, CBA negotiations go. And I know, Caleb, you're shaking your head at me because you don't want to talk about the CBA negotiations. No, I just – I, like, despise – Rob Manfred so much. <laughs> You're right. Because it's little things like this. Like, I'm going to hold this thing that clearly yeah. worked for my league and made it more interesting and made it more fun. I'm going to hold it. And hold I'm it hostage. Yeah. He's, got a, he's got a knife to its neck. Like Exactly. In a bargaining <laughs> agreement. Because, you know what? Yeah, just let the sport die. What? Like, so, I don't. So, someone's asking about uh, what would Rosario cost. Rosario would cost... Uh, either around or a little bit less than what Ozuna cost you for a one-year deal uh, last year, I would say. I think you're probably giving him somewhere in the neighborhood of 14 to $15 million on a one-year deal or uh, two for 30, that kind of thing, if, if, uh, if in fact, you can get him for, for more than one year. But who knows? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting reading Dave O'Brien's piece in The Athletic. I'm going to go back to it again. He made it sound like the Braves, if there is no DH next year, then that would really make a, an impact on the Braves and their interest in Ozuna, as in if there's no DH, yeah. they're probably not going to resign Ozuna. Um, right. Which I guess I, I guess I get to an extent. Me personally, if, like, if there was no DH next year, but you knew it was coming at the next CBA, I really think that I would – overlook that I, I would look past oh, that bite the bullet with, for, you'd, I, yeah you bite the bullet for, for a year. year yeah yeah for sure if you if you get him on a long-term deal which is obviously what he's going to get so micah asks is the loud mouth from the red still on the table or we don't need him i, I feel like the pitching rotation is set at this point guys yeah um, I, I don't think that they're making any more additions i feel like they feel confident with uh, soroka when he comes back again whether it's at the beginning of the year or somewhat a month uh, into the season or two uh then freed followed by Charlie Morton, Ian Anderson, Drew Smiley, and then you can fill and mix and match with uh, Wilson and Wright if you need to throughout the year. And again, that's something that we talked about a little bit uh, via text is that you're going to need all the reinforcements you possibly need to because people are going to be subject to soft tissue injuries with an increased workload. A 60-game season yep. is a blip on the radar for a lot of these guys' arms, and uh, trying to extend them through a 162-game season, if you add in also the ramp-up from spring training, uh, to have basically almost a year and a half removed from any kind of uh, workload that's similar to that is something that I believe that these pitchers are going to have to deal with in a negative fashion. Yeah, I, I think this is a good transition for us to talk about the rotation. And I, I just want to put out there, we only we don't have a ton of time left because I got to be out of here by 120. But 
I want to talk about why I'm sold on Drew Smiley, like why, how Alex Anthopoulos sold me. I think Drew Smiley is, what, 31 years old, 32, something like that. Yeah. So he doesn't have a ton of innings on his arm. And part of that is because he had Tommy John surgery a couple years ago. And he had, not only did he have the Tommy John surgery, but he actually was pretty much rested an entire year with inflammation, um, trying to get his elbow right before he had the Tommy John surgery. So he was out almost two years without pitching. So his arm is still younger than his age would indicate. And then also, you know, just talking to baseball people, you know, it takes a couple years to really get back to your top form after you have that Tommy John. So I, you know, just like kind of that planning and the fact that they were not even just interested in Drew Smiley this year, they were actually interested in signing him even going back to last year when he started to really um, improve his performances late on this year. So, um, I really like the signing. I think that there's a lot of potential upside there, uh, despite the fact that he's kind of a, a lower name, you know, um, not, not the sexiest signing. And I think that it's kind of the opposite is true with Charlie Morton, where it's like you have a tried and true veteran guy who's going to like really just be a solid reinforcement to the staff. And then one other guy, obviously, to talk about is Mike Soroka. I mean, I remember when he got injured, we talked about it on the podcast, like, you know, thinking – how is he going to be able to pitch what half of next season? Uh, you know, how much are we going to get out of him? And it sounds like things are going so well for him. He's already out there tossing the ball around uh, at the training facility or at, at SunTrust Park is where they're training. Alex Anthopoulos says he sees him in the weight room every time he goes in. And he is just such a professional guy. Like I remember he's, he was 21 years old after the Braves were knocked out in 2019. And when we were doing exit interviews, he's talking about like his diet and like what he's going to eat and like how he's like training himself to be a, a world-class athlete. And this is like not something you hear every 21 year old pitcher talking about, um, especially one that has already shown to have as much success as he did. So I, the Braves are so lucky to have such a professional guy in Mike Soroka that I think he'll come back from that injury really, really strong. And Alex Anthopoulos has said that, you know, what they really need to protect uh, him from is just not pushing it too hard too early on his arm because his arm is really what's going to need to get built up more than anything. He, he, you know, he's pretty much recovered from the Achilles, but it's just now that he, now they got to get his arm back in shape. So the thing that terrifies me about Drew Smiley, I hear you, Joe. However, just overpaying for the guy and also a guy that they thought they could really get as a steal and show up. Well, Robbie Erlin is now playing for the Nippon Ham Fighters of Japan <laughs> yes. specifically. Correct. So, you know, it's just one of those. I see that and I'm like, ah, okay. It, it, you know, you're asking about whether or not you trust the way the Braves are evaluating pitchers. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, and and especially with under the 60-game season where it kind of feels like this was slightly a reach based on some data that they put together. It's fair. I mean, you know, you think about some of the more veteran guys that they've signed recently. Obviously, Cole Hamels, we know yeah. how that turned out. Although, yeah. who knows how much exactly that was, um, you know, they could have foreseen that. But even like Dallas Keuchel, you know, he was obviously a big name, but the performances weren't really, I think, what many would have expected. I know we only have a couple minutes left, guys. Uh, we've touched on the offense. We've touched on the starting rotation. Uh, any concern that we haven't touched the bullpen and the fact that Alex Anthopoulos still has Mark Melanson kind of waiting in the wings out there, and uh, you also lose a guy in Shane Green who, uh, whether you like it or not, was a big contributor to your bullpen last year. I do feel like a lot of those are going to be more on the economical fashion, but I also feel like you do need to address uh, some of those defections. I don't like Will Smith as your closer in 21 if that's the option. 
I know you don't, but he was clearly paid to be that guy. Will Smith had COVID. He didn't have, he had a totally disrupted season in terms of the training, you know, how you would normally prepare yourself for a season. I think kind of some of the errors we saw from him last year are more of a blip on the radar. That's how I'm reading it. At least I think he will be the the closer going into next season. Um, And I think the bullpen is pretty solid. I think you had huge jumps from a guy like AJ Minter, um, you know, that's really going to help reinforce it might, it probably won't be as strong of a bullpen to start the season as it was at the end of last season. But I think that it will, when, when you combine the the strength of the bullpen with what you have in the starting rotation, I think you're looking at a very kind of solid setup. The Braves, uh, the Braves aren't paying Luke Jackson to be the new closer. Is that not, <laughs> is that not what we're doing? Well, you, here? Al- you always need an esport athlete in case there's like some crazy pandemic that happens next season, and you have to be playing MLB the Show on TV yeah. for. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I figure with the bullpen situation, it's just one of those that, yeah, you know, the Braves need to keep their fans on their toes a little bit, and, and so by by you shorted it up last year, and that didn't work out. So maybe if you you know, leave some obvious holes and some questions to be had as a little, as a little, uh, you know, wait and see approach, I guess. Is there anything I they mean, did that you were happy with, Caleb? That's my question. <laughs> um, that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> they, I'm trying to think who do they, who do they Morton? actually do you not even like Morton? I liked, the, I liked the Morton deal. Okay, the Morton, okay, that, that was a really, that was a really smart deal. It made me very excited. Yeah, to a guy who is not only quality pitcher, but once again, I I always think about what a guy can do in in the locker room with other guys. Now I, I get it, you know, COVID's still going on, and so uh, no telling how far they'll be spread out or whatever. But I realized that Cole Hamels was a big part of Max Fried's improved success, where he was just able to mentor him some, and I think Charlie Men, uh, Charlie Morton. We'll, we'll probably spend his year here in Atlanta doing that same exact thing, mentoring guys and only making them better while making his own quality starts. Joe's got to go do a hit on Andy and Randy. It gives us an opportunity to close things out. We'll continue to check in with you throughout the offseason, uh, not only on Facebook Live, but also via the radio.com app. You can download our podcast wherever you get your podcast, especially on radio.com. Just search batter up for Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson. I'm Willie P saying thanks for watching and listening to batter up a 92.9. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old, whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.